we put all this worth in these numbers, right? So it's like your pant size. Like we get so stuck on this number. It means absolutely nothing in terms of your worth as a human being or your health. A lot of people go after the last five to 10 pounds for their entire life. How do we move forward and live our lives with social media as a part of that? I don't have time to stress about it, but it's also been a great exercise in, oh, you didn't stress about it and it still went okay. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different from the previous episodes. I wanted to bring on Noelle Tarr, the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts in the world, that is Well-Fed Women, formerly known as the Paleo Women Podcast. I adore that podcast. I adore the hosts. It's hosted by Stephanie Ruper and Noelle Tarr. I adore Noelle. I wanted to bring her on my podcast. But Noelle and I have become pretty good friends. And what this actually ended up turning into was more of a conversation between us about life as a female in our modern world, about the craziness of social media, about getting burnt out, about podcasting, running our own businesses, our thoughts on health and fitness, and just all of the things. But I think what ultimately manifested was a really thought-provoking and enlightening conversation. I enjoyed it so much, and I hope you get some gems out of it. I did want to make one little note about something we discussed at the end. So one of the last questions, I don't want to give it away, but it's the big question that we end on. And I would like to amend my answer. Um, We hung up and I was thinking about it and just realized that I had another answer. And that's tapping. That's all I'm going to say, tapping. That's also a teaser for something else coming soon. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash wellfedwomen. I am a Himalaya Partnered Show. And if you follow the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast in the Himalaya app, you'll get early access to the podcast 24 hours in advance. So definitely check that out. So hi, Melanie. Hi, Noelle. (laughs) Is this not the coolest thing ever? So for all of you who don't know, I am Noelle Tarr. I am the host of Well-Fed Women. And I'm here with Melanie, who is also a host of her own podcast, and we are doing a mashup. So this is that really awkward stage where we're both like trying to host our podcast, but then we realize we're with other hosts. We're just sort of like, wait, what do we do with our hands? What What's going on? What do we do with our voices? So I'm really excited. I'm excited to have you here. Why don't you maybe just introduce yourself just a little bit. I'll introduce myself just a little bit since most of our audiences know who we are, and then we can jump into what we're going to discuss today. That is a perfect idea. Yes. (laughs) For listeners, Noelle and I have been trying to figure out how to do this for quite a while. We're like, who's going to talk? What do we say? So we're just going to go with the moment. So Hi, I am Melanie Avalon. (laughs) I am the co-host of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, which is not where this will be airing. 
but I'm the co-host of that podcast. And then I am the host of the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast, which is where this will be airing. So I'm really in the whole health biohacking sphere. I wrote a book called What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine. When I say paleo, I'm all into finding the diet that works for the individual. I don't think there's one right diet for everybody. I'm all into finding the intermittent fasting pattern that works for you, which is a little bit ironic given the history of... We could, we could talk about that later. We have so much to unpack. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to move on. And then... <laughs> enjoying fine glass of wine, but basically biohacking, health things. Everything I do has really come out of honestly just my own journey to find what works for me and realizing that health is so much more than a blood test or what a doctor says about you and that we're all searching for what makes us feel amazing and healthy and good in our bodies. And there's not one diet for everybody. There's not one protocol for everybody. And then on top of that, I think mindset is really, really what it comes down to in the end. And I am obsessed with Noelle and she's like a wonderful human being. So kind. And the last little thing for listeners, I've been dying to bring Noelle onto the podcast. She is the co-host of the Well-Fed Women podcast, originally the Paleo Women podcast, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I've listened to since day one. And listeners. So now I'm talking to my audience. I feel like I have to switch back and forth. I'm like, Noelle's audience, my audience, (laughs) all of our listeners. Yeah. So you guys know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. There is only one podcast that I've listened to every single episode besides my own. And that is Noelle's. (laughs) So Noelle, would you like to tell listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, you're very kind. And I'm so thankful that you reached out to me and we were able to connect and be able to form a friendship Yeah, I I started a podcast with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, five years ago. It was called the Paleo Women Podcast. It was really the first big thing I did in terms of like my brand and my business starting to help people on a grander scale. So I started a blog. It's called Coconuts and Kettlebells back in the day when I was going through a nutritional therapy program. And I went and got my personal training certification with the National Strength and Conditioning Association. I was just like really gung-ho and excited to kind of start this new fitness and nutrition business. It started out as paleo and I quickly realized that voice was needed because I think there was a comfort that people felt knowing that oh, Noelle's follows a paleo diet, so do I. I can listen to her. So I think it was important for people to understand we weren't about dogma per se, but we also came from the perspective of like holistic health is really important and nutrition is important. And I felt in my heart that I needed to move forward with, I started writing nutrition articles and, you know, fitness articles and talking about how to like lose weight and all that kind of stuff, because I thought that's what would work best and that's what would sell and that's what people needed. And I quickly, within months of kind of starting that content and all that, you know, writing and all that kind of stuff on my blog, I quickly moved to a more, much more personal topic, which is mindset and really pursuing what is right for you and taking a shift away from the dogma and diet culture and the shoulds and, you know, what is everybody else doing and what is the latest influencer telling you you need to do. And I was trying to encourage people to move away from that and instead radically pursue what is right for them. And so I wrote an article about (laughs) 
why I don't want six-pack abs. It was a really big moment for me of shifting body image into my business, talking more about body image. And it was huge. And a lot of people resonated with a lot of people. It was like, hey, I don't really need six-pack abs to be worthy. And I don't need the perfect, like, why are we so focused as a culture on six-pack abs or the cellulite on our hip? Like, why are we so focused on these things that don't equate to health? They don't equate to our worth as a human being. We all feel all this shame for the way we look and the fact that we eat these bad foods and we didn't run enough today. Like, we're all just stuck in this spiral and it's so unhealthy. And why don't we just do what works for us and like radically accept ourselves and our bodies and eat good food and not like tie it to our worth because that's not a real thing. So anyway, long story short, I posted that article resonated with a lot of people. And that's sort of what I have (laughs) pursued mostly, which is talking about mindset and body image also on the foundation of how to figure out what foods are right for you. So I have a book called Coconuts and Kettlebells I wrote with my co-host Stephanie Ruper. And in that book, we talk about here's how to follow a low-carb approach if that works for you. Here's how to follow a more-carb approach if that works for you. And we give really good information about, you know, here's some times where more carbs are better. Here's some times where going lower carb is better. And we just want people to, to do what's right for them and to be healthy and happy mentally physically and emotionally. So that was me trying to be really succinct and not at all accomplishing it. But that's what I've been doing for the past five years, basically, is the book and the podcast and the blog and, you know, writing programs and stuff like that. So no, I love it so much. And I think that's one of the reasons that A, I've loved your podcast for so long. And B, I think that we find ourselves on a very similar wavelength is just this common theme of wanting to find the diet that works for you and wanting to pay attention and, you know, do things that are quote, I see here it comes like the whole morality issue. You want to do things that are right for your body, but then there's this whole complicated layer of adding morality to things, you know, what is right, what is wrong. We're so individual. Some things work at some times and not others. And then you talked about the whole, like, it's so arbitrary and we make we have all these ideas of what's right and wrong especially with body image and scale numbers like i was just i had like an epiphany of source the other day i was looking at this chart it was like a picture of the human body and it was like the human body is this percent muscle this percent water this percent fat this percent there was like two other things that i, I didn't even think about and i was like how how silly is it that in our body, we have somehow determined that scale weight, for example, is a reflection of your worth when it doesn't even mean anything. Like looking at this picture of the body, there's all this stuff inside of us. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> what does it matter? That was just a, a tangent. I feel like I'm going to do that a lot. No, it, but you're so right. We put all this worth in these numbers, right? So it's like your pant size. Like we get so stuck on this number, which is like a size six or a size eight. Typically, it's like a size of pants that we were when we were in high school or college and very unhealthy and like had disordered eating behaviors or just were like maybe underweight, maybe working out too much, or maybe we were training for a marathon or whatever. We get stuck on that number and like trying to get back to that pant size. Or I just want to get back to this number, this one number on the scale. And that controls our thoughts for 
the majority of the day for years and years and years. And it doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing in terms of your worth as a human being or your health. A lot of people go after the last five to 10 pounds for their entire life. And it actually makes little to zero impact on your overall health. In my opinion, it makes a negative impact because it is weighing on you mentally and it is causing that you to do things that you may not do in order to try to push yourself to lose those last five pounds that probably aren't super healthy. I know this. You know this, Melanie. Like, you can do a lot of things that don't improve your health that lead to weight loss. I did that for so long. And once I had that epiphany of like, why do I care so much about this number on the scale? And by the way, I'm doing unhealthy things to get there. Why not just take care of my body and forget about the people who care about whether I lose the last five pounds or not, which, by the way, is nobody. So, no, good tangents. Yeah, no, I have one last thought on that because I do think there's actually a very scientific mental reason for one of the reasons that we remember a weight and think I have to be this weight to be happy. I wonder if it has to do with, well, A, societal pressure saying that a certain weight you know, is what you should be, but more so, at least I know for me, I'll like remember, oh, at this time in my life, I felt really good in my body. And at that time I was this weight. We know that our brain, like when we're experiencing something that's either like really great or really seemingly bad, our brain looks around and tries to find all the things that are happening at that time. And it associates those as a reason for that experience, whether or not they're connected at all. So I could go on a huge tangent about that, but I do wonder often with the whole identity aspect, if people they think back at a time that they were a certain weight. And so their brain is thinking, oh, I was that weight. So if I'm that weight again, that's what I'll be, which is just so silly because you're not, you're not the person you were then. It's quite possible that you will be much more in tune and intuitive and comfortable in your body at a completely different weight. But I think we much prefer often to look to our past and what seems certain rather than the future and the uncertainty. Ooh, I like that. You're right. It feels like it's easier to control. Like we feel we have a false sense of control if we can look back and say, you know, oh, we were that weight and we were we had the uh, esteem and the power and all the things. So I just need to get back to that. That's actually easier, I think, for our brains to grasp onto as opposed to being like, oh, I can actually do all those things at a different weight in my body. I would like to ask you a little bit more about your personal health story and your journey. How did you get into health and what made you want to put all this information out there publicly? Because I think you and I have a unique position as podcasters where we talk a lot and we end up talking a lot about our own personal experiences. And so it ends up being that we are very public with a lot of personal issues that we're going through. So what was it? And just as like even a personal interest of mine, what was it that made you say, hmm, I I really want to go public with all my issues? (laughs) Yeah. So long story short, and I will try to make this long story short. I was growing up, I was always trying to be, I mean, I followed like the standard American diet or whatever. And I was always trying to like probably lose 10 pounds. I mean, it wasn't like a big deal. It, it was just like always trying to control your weight, but it wasn't a big deal. I always emphasize that because I think people, I didn't have like really intense, like disordered eating or anything like that, but I was always trying different diets kind of casually. That's a good word, casually. So like calorie counting, maybe a short romantic fling with vegetarianism, like, you know, silly little things. I tried the cookie diet. 
I read that on your website. What is that? So you pay for these cookies and they're like specially formulated cookies that you're supposed to eat. They're supposed to replace your meals. So you eat cookies for like, like five cookies during the day and then you eat a normal dinner. A, the cookies were so good. I just want to eat more cookies, which I normally would. B, I looked at the ingredients recently and they, the cookies were basically like gluten and... <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what they were. They're like fiber and gluten that happened. So then sophomore year of college, I tried low carb to lose some pounds. And that was the first time that I realized, oh, I actually feel different. Like, oh, it's not just weight loss. Like I started getting better energy. My skin started getting better. And I was like, oh, so maybe like what I'm putting in my mouth actually affects other things besides my weight. So then I became a little bit obsessed as I tend to get. And I started doing all the research all the time. And I was like, wow, there's all this science to diet. And like, it literally affects your body. That's how I found intermittent fasting. So I started doing that like junior year of college, said I was going to do it for a week, committed to it with a friend. I was like, this is going to be miserable. And it was so amazing. I never stopped. (laughs) That was like a decade ago. And then when I graduated from college, I tried paleo. I was like, I'm going to take it one step further. Didn't think it would make much of a difference, but basically until then I was eating low carb, but processed foods. So then I tried eating just whole foods and again, saw amazing benefits. So I became really obsessed and pursuing acting in LA. I was often on sets like every day and I would not be eating during when they would have their luscious eating times. Because in case people are wondering, oh, Noelle, you would be interested in this because I know you like to hear about set life. It's kind of crazy because when you're on like films and TVs where they have big budgets, the food situation is unreal. Like the snack station could feed like a third world country. And I I probably shouldn't joke about that, but it really could. And um, the meals are like so much food and it's like gourmet and it's just insane. Really? Yeah. If it's low budget, then no, then it'll be like, you know, here's a pop tart. Huh? Yeah. One set I was on, they had a, they had a shrimp ice sculpture. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm not making this up. I was like, why is there an ice sculpture? But there was shrimp in it. So (laughs) point being, I would not be eating, partaking in these experiences and people would ask questions. And I got really tired of like explaining myself all the time. So I was like, I'm just going to write a book. That's why I wrote the book. So the book came before your blog? Mm-hmm. Mm, actually, it might have all been around the same time. Same time-ish. That I originally self-published the book. So this was like a self-published version. And fast forward, everything was great. Everything was working. Got food poisoning. And then that just started the downward spiral slash upward spiral, because we're always going to look upward, of GI issues. And then... When your gut gets out of whack, it's actually pretty, pretty hard to get it back together. That was the first time that I I wasn't just like thrilled about the possibility of, oh, yeah, I can feel fantastic from diet. It became like a necessity and a relentless hunger search to figure out how are foods, like really how are they affecting me and how can I best manage my health? And yeah, <laughs> so th- things got intense and... I've been struggling because it's nice when everything's working and you're feeling really great with it. And I think that happens in a lot of camps, especially people who are like hardcore extremists with diets. Like 
They find a diet that works for them. It works for them. It's an extreme diet. And so they think it'll work for everybody. And I totally get that because if you've never actually experienced struggles with, you know, finding the diet that works for you, it's very easy to see, oh, this diet works for me. I feel great. It should work for everybody. So I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, I know how hard it is for to find the foods that work for you. And I don't think there's one diet that works for everybody. And please, I don't want people to get into camps and think that one food is right and one food is wrong when really it's needs a much more comprehensive picture. And then I struggle with like this imposter syndrome now where I feel like I'm putting out there what I'm finding in my research and experimenting, what I really think can truly help people. But at the same time, I have my own struggles and challenges. So it's like, ugh. <laughs> people will come to me. They're like, what? they're like, what do you eat? What do you do? I'm like, don't ask me. <laughs> do not ask me. So you're in a position right now where you're still trying to figure things out. Would that be correct? I think I'll always be in the, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think I'll always be trying to figure things out because life does change, right? Like our circumstances change and so our bodies change and what works for us changes. And I think that one of these really interesting things about being uh, (laughs) as we age and get older is that (sighs) hormones change, our stress levels change, life around us is changing. And so and then as we age and and our you know that has an impact on how we operate some of us end up getting pregnant raising my hand and that really changes everything and so what used to work really well is no longer working <laughs> and it gets really confusing and truthfully i think that what i'm doing now will probably be not at all what i'm doing in 10 years down the road like what about perimenopause and menopause, like how how am I going to go through all of that and what's going to change then? And so I am totally with you. Like, I think we're all always struggling in our own ways and trying to figure out like what is going on, what's going to work for us now and how can we feel better and live better. I hate this and people hate this too, but I'm like, everything always comes down to like, where's the stress coming from and how can I reduce it? (laughs) Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. 
seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas, melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Yeah, exactly. I'm so happy you kept saying the word change because if I only want one thing to not change, I would love to, and this is something I've been bringing so many people on this podcast about and discussed recently. I had an episode with Amy Johnson. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I really recommend listeners check it out. But I think like the stress and the mindset piece is so huge if that if I've learned one thing, because things are going to keep changing, like you said. So what I'm really trying to cultivate a mindset of is like 
reaching a place where I am okay with any experience because realizing that I'm not the experience, things change and that's okay. That my inner spirit, so like the Melanie inside of me or the Noel inside of you, like that's not affected by our physical experiences, what's happening with our diet, what's happening with our bodies, what's happening with our stress. Like there can still be this foundational person inside of us that doesn't have to be affected by that. So I just want to be at a place where I welcome change because change is change and not having all this drama and meaning attached to my physical experience at any one moment, because that's not what defines me. That's a really hard place to come to. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I feel like that's one thing that God's been working on with me in particular is because I've been, for those of you who don't know, all of my listeners will know, but I have been struggling with chronic pain and unexplained and I've gotten the MRIs and I've gotten everything and, you know, I've been in and out of physical therapists and chiropractors and I am sort of coming on the other side of it, which has just been incredible. But there was a point where I had to sit with that and say, okay, this may be an infliction that I manage for the rest of my life. And it, it it is, it is. But, you know, this may be something that I have to experience on a daily basis and still choose joy and realize that this is not going to be my forever. And this is my time here on earth. And I'm going to have to choose joy, manage it and realize that I can be okay and live a like semi-normal healthy life and happy life without figuring out things out 100% and without controlling it. Because my issue is I always want to control things and like figure them out and fix them. And so it was like, huh, Noel, maybe maybe this isn't going to be fixed and you have to be at peace with that. And that has to be, you have to find your worth in Christ for me in particular, because, you know, I'm a Christian and that's where my hope lies. And so it's like, I have to be okay with like, cool, like I'm just going to be at peace here. And Jesus has to be enough. And that is really hard. And I, it's maybe I don't fix it and maybe like, hello, Noel, you're not in control. And that is a really hard place for me in particular to be. And I realized like so many people with chronic issues, like they have to go through this every day. When you wake up and you have a chronic health condition, you can't quote unquote, necess- you can't necessarily quote unquote fix it. You know, it's something that you have to wake up and choose every day to choose joy and to understand like, I can't control this. I can't 100% fix it. And so I just have to be able to manage it in a way where I wake up and if something happens, like I have to know that I'm going to be capable of handling it. My family's going to be okay with it. And we're just going to tackle things as they come. And so that's a huge mindset shift. And it's very hard, I think, for personality types like yours and mine, Melanie, who we are, you know, achievers and accomplishers. We want to fix things and we want to be in control. But sometimes that's a detriment to our health. You were saying like being okay. I feel like that's There's so much peace though, in that concept of just being okay with things. And I think, like you said, that that can really bring us back to a place of love and joy and gratitude. And I mean, I know like (laughs) Noel and I are very similar in that we're both, yeah, like you said, achievers, like doing all the things all the time. We want to be in control. And what I've experienced at least a lot recently as well with that is I remember I would always hear like, even a few years ago, this idea of like, oh, if you keep going at this pace, you'll hit burnout, you know? And I'm like, huh, that'll never happen. Like 
I know, me too. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Like, no, that's been happening. And um, right, I'm like, oh, okay. So this is this is what this is. How does that make you feel? Like, I mean, when you're realizing you are kind of burning out, like, how are you processing that? It's so interesting because there there are obviously different ways we can respond to that. Initially, I would respond with sort of like panic, like, okay, how can I further control things so this doesn't happen? Which I don't think is the answer long-term. That sort of shifted to, I actually have a tendency to kind of, and I don't like this either, but go to a sort of state of apathy. Like, okay, well, I just won't engage with this then. Like if there's something that's unpleasant to me, it's like, okay, I'll just not engage because that's very safe rather than stress about it, which we like cannot afford to do at this moment because of stress. <laughs> but I don't think apathy is the, is the answer either, which finally brings us to, I was mentioning like being okay thing. So I think what I'm working on right now is learning how to accept that, okay, I can't do all the things all the time. I can do what I can do and that's okay. And I can be at a place hopefully and continually what I'm working on is being at a place where I can choose what I choose to do. I can choose to do things that bring me joy and I can hopefully stop stressing about having to fulfill these maddening goals that I set for myself. I was talking to a friend and they were talking about how they work for like a conventional boss and how they did not like their boss. And I was like, well, I sort of have a boss, but it's me. And it's like the worst boss ever. And if you took like my internal me, like that's like the Melanie boss inside of me and like made it a third party person, that would be the worst boss ever. <laughs> They'd be like, you need to do more. You're not doing enough. Like <laughs> you're such a failure. You, you know, pull yourself together. Um, so that's yeah, a struggle. It's our inner critic. Yeah. I think it's really hard, especially in our, our social media day today where we feel like we have to be on all the time and we never have solitude anymore because we're constantly connected to things. But how about you? Like, so is this the order you had like the blog and the internet and all that, and then the podcast and the book, and then like your strong from home program, like, is that sort of, how did that all materialize for you? And how have you seen that affecting your life as far as running it as a business? And then what we just talked about with like the stress and not hitting burnout. And then of course you have two beautiful children. So that's a whole nother aspect, bringing in a family. Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) I had, and I probably, I haven't really spoken publicly about a lot of this, but I mean, I have, but at the same time, you don't necessarily talk about your your failed vision. <laughs> but I, I'm so appreciative for the opportunity. Like, I'll get this out of the way for the sake, but I'm so appreciative that I get to work from home and and manage my own schedule, and I have the flexibility to not work for somebody and work for myself and all that stuff. This is kind of what I had set up for myself five years ago down the road. My husband and I we were on board for it. Got myself out of my corporate job. Here I am. It's finally all coming. We wanted to have kids, and I got pregnant. And when I did, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to finish my program. And I did. But after I had my daughter, it was a huge, huge wake up call to me in terms of I just like, I can't do it all. And 
it was very, very hard for me to live in. She's a strong-willed, wonderful, incredible child, but she drained me. I struggled with postpartum anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. It was just a lot. And it was a lot that wasn't in my control. And so having kids is the ultimate welcome to not having control ever experience. And so I think that that was a huge shift for me. And once my daughter turned one, I was like, cool, I'm starting to feel better. So I set all these like big goals. I was actually going to write a second book. Here we go with the failed visions. Going to write a second book. I still would love to, but I doubt it's just not going to happen. I wanted to do like a family cookbook. I wanted to really sew into Beauty Counter as a company and a business. And I was like, this is the year of the business. And I unexpectedly got pregnant quite quickly after that when my daughter was like 13 months. So we were like, great. And I was excited, but also terrified. And it was a very, very, very hard year for me emotionally, physically. If I talk too much about it, I will just start crying because it's just been just a weight, such a huge weight on me. And it was mostly because of my chronic pain. And I was bedridden and I was like trying to keep a good face on for everybody and trying to like keep it together. But like I was... Like, I just felt so invaluable as a person because I couldn't, I could barely take care of my one-year-old. My husband had to do the majority of the work. I was like laid out for the last, I guess, three or four months of pregnancy. Then when I finally had him, it still was a huge struggle. I got mastitis, which is a nasty bacterial infection three times. I've had a very rough experience with my second postpartum. He's great, which is awesome. My son is amazing and, you know, healthy. And I just, I thank God every day for that. However, I have really been through the ringer. And so I had all these huge goals and like I want to help people and I want to get more into business. And I actually get really motivated by helping more people and getting involved in my business and doing my work. And it's almost like a, um, I don't know if you feel this way, Melanie, but like my work is almost a chance for me to doing the things that I like, not the draining tasks of like, oh, I've got to edit this and do that. But like this kind of work, what we're doing right here, having this conversation, interviewing people and, you know, working with my teams and that kind of stuff, like that's really invigorating for me. It's actually my what people would call downtime. For me, it's kind of what gives me energy. And so for the good part of the year, I have felt like I am literally drowning. Like there are like rocks on my ankles. I'm in the water and I cannot get a breath. And so that's how I felt really the last year until maybe about like right now. And it's been very emotionally draining for me and mentally and physically too. And I got to the point a couple months ago where I just was like sobbing because I just couldn't. I was so done with being in pain. And my husband was like, I'm figuring this out. And he asked around and found a pain specialist that really helped me, just a a physical therapist. So I'm like definitely on the mend. I'm definitely like perkier and happier now and I feel better. But it's been a really rough year, especially being in the health and wellness field. I, you know, when you have these goals and this vision and you want to do all this stuff and you just can't do any of it and you feel like you're struggling and you want to still help people, but like, you don't have your own oxygen mask on. It's really hard. And so I know that a lot of people, my listeners who have listened to this podcast have heard me probably complain more than they've heard me enough complain about my back pain and just like working through all of that. 
But it's taken a lot, a lot out of me. And so that's been really hard as somebody in the quote unquote public eye when you're really struggling so much and you want to not be, you know, how do you navigate those waters and how much do you share and how much do you maintain face? And so I've sort of used this opportunity to just be super authentic and open in a, even if it's not going to help my cause. <laughs> it's not good for my health to be anything but open and honest with people. And social media has been such a huge struggle with that. I know so many people, especially in our audience, like when we asked for questions, um, when Mel and I did, we got a lot of questions about like, how do you manage social media and all that? And it's really, really hard. I know I struggle with it personally. I know Melanie struggles with it, but I've had to really a shift and adapt. And I look at all these people doing all these cool things and posting all the time. And I know you do too, Melanie. And I'm like, I want to be you, but I can't. And that that I can't maintain my business that way. So I have to do, I, I've just decided this year to radically be okay with, that's that word, be okay. Be okay with doing what is right for me and my health. And if that means not posting on Instagram for a week, even though I should be, quote unquote, in quotation, should be and everybody else is. And then it means I I take the week off and I don't post anything. And that's just how it goes. I have to go with my with my flow. And I'm honest with people now, you know, when I'm on, if you see my Instagram posts, I'm usually like, this was a really sucky week. <laughs> Here's a cute picture of my kids, though. Um, but I just think people actually, in my opinion, and I've talked to you, Melanie, about this, I think people relate more to those struggles than they do seeing you be completely fake and positive all the time. So you said so much that resonates with me, and I'm sure it resonates with so many people. And so you were talking about how, you know, like conversations like this are actually what give you energy and how some things can be draining and others not. And I recently been reading the book. Have you heard of Kyle Cease? I, I think I told you about him. Mm-mm. You always have all these people, Melanie, that are like, you're like, have you heard of? And I'm like, no, I need to write that down. You know all the people and all the things. That's my problem. Actually, as a quick side note, that's one of the problems is I'm like constantly consuming information. And I don't think I was listening <laughs> to another interview, irony aside, talking about how taxing it is on our brain because we can't constantly be consuming information 24-7. Like that wasn't a possibility for our brains in the past. And so now we're at this point where our brain is like constantly consuming and we our brains can't handle that. Like they need time to like not. Not, this is not to say that you should stop listening to this podcast, but I will say that like, you're so right. Like now we're in the car and we're listening to podcasts and we're listening to news and then we're like, get home, we turn on the TV and we, you know, we're always like consuming, consuming, consuming. And we don't ever have a moment where we're like, let me just sit here and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was saying when we stop taking in information, there's a point where the brain actually, you know, reorganizes that information, interprets it, makes meaning of it. And we actually need that. And if we're constantly consuming, we never have that. Same with the solitude that I was mentioning before is that we may think we have solitude, but we never do. Because even when we're in like the car, for example, 10 years ago, you'd be in the car and okay, that was like a moment of solitude because there was literally nobody to talk to. But now we get on our phones. (laughs) Right. 
or breastfeeding. We get on our phones. I've tried to stop myself from like, it's like, okay, no, I'll just sit and look at him and not be on your phone. And honestly, I, I've been dealing with a lot more. This is where Melanie has come in and helped me with her biohacking is that I have been getting a lot of um, migraines and headaches. And so I've been doing more red light therapy and blocking blue light because I think I'm on my phone so much because I'm breastfeeding a lot and I'm like in the dark a lot. And so I'm scrolling and I'm like, whoa, I am so in overconsumption mode and so in like blue light mode that it's actually impacting like headaches, migraines, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. What I've started doing more and more is just setting more boundaries and it's hard, but like, so like notifications and things, I turn them all off. (laughs) So that's why I'm sort of bad sometimes with like texts and different things because I just have turned off all notifications. I figure if somebody has to get to me, they will. That's that I always have to check email. So that I do check, but I have my, like at night after a certain time, I have my routine and I don't engage after that. And I've just started to realize I'm like, okay, it's okay for me to go into this time where I cut off the world. And if something so bad happens where I need to be contacted, like I'm sure I will be somehow found and contacted. But I know like not everybody might not feel that they can, you know, set up certain boundaries, but I think we can set up boundaries, even if it's something as simple as I'm going to try, okay, every time I'm in the elevator, for example, not to get on my phone and see what happens. And I mean, that's a really good exercise in mindfulness, kind of similar to like when you do meditation and you realize how much, you know, they say meditation, it's not about being quiet. It's about realizing that this voice that constantly talks in your head is not you and that that's okay. And you don't have to engage or do what it (laughs) wants you to do. Well, do you constantly feel like you're pulled back in though? Because I think is, there are a lot of personality types that are like pulled into social media because it does feel like a sense of connection and they're not, when they're not connected, they feel it's hard, but also with you. And I know a lot of our listeners have their own businesses and they're trying to build them online. It gets really hard when you're trying to build a business online. And I, I wonder how do you manage that? Like, how do you manage being healthy mentally, emotionally and physically (laughs) and pulling yourself away from social media, but also understanding like gotta be on social media to like do all my things. Like how, how do you navigate those waters? Yeah, it is really hard. And it, it speaks to something. So like, cause <laughs> I just need more time. It's like, if we had more time, because um, that's something else. Like I want to be really connected to my audience. So I have like a Facebook group, Paleo OMAD Biohackers. And I mean, it's only about 3.5 thousand members right now, but as a part of that, <laughs> like, this is a huge topic and a big question and a big question for the next generation. So like when you went to, into college, where, were you were you like all on social media and all that kind of stuff? I guess during college, it was mostly Facebook, but I've never been a huge social media person. So like even when like Instagram came out, I was like, eh. and I mean, I feel like when I was in college, it wasn't quite to the intensity. So where that was like, I guess it almost like a decade ago, not quite, but it wasn't to the intensity. I think that it is today. I think it has so rapidly become more intense. It's intense. So, well, I'm super thankful that I was raised before, you know, like high school and middle school. This wasn't a thing. I don't even know what it would be like to be in the social media world now as like a adolescent in college. I think it was like 
a good time still, but now it's just like, it's so, like I just said, intense. I mean, it's something I would like to try implementing that I haven't completely implemented yet is I know like Tim Ferriss said in one of his books, one of his podcasts or somewhere that like for emails, for example, he only checks them like in the morning, I think, and then the evening and not throughout the day. Or does he only check in the evening? He only checks it like one certain amount of time because he said that most issues actually resolve themselves before then. So like if you just check the emails at night, half the stuff that people were like emailing about might already be addressed. (laughs) I sort of want to try like setting up social media engagement time blocks where it's like, okay, this is the time that I'm engaging and then doing it all then rather than feeling like I constantly have to check Facebook every single second, constantly check Instagram, constantly check. I realize it's become very much a dopamine thing. I feel like those little rats, you know, doing where they do the science experiments and like the rats hit the, hit the thing to get the sugar, or hit the thing to get the cocaine or hit the thing to get the drug. That's what I feel like with social media. Cause it's like, whenever I have a moment where, okay, I could have this, I could take a minute and not do anything right now. It's like, no. Let me click my phone and see if there's an alert. Let me click my Insta. Let me check my email. Let me re. It's like I'm a little rodent on a little trying to get the sugar. <laughs> You're much cuter than a rodent, Melanie, I will say. But yeah, um, that's very intuitive because it is exactly that. There's actually been a lot of studies about how a notification is like a hit for us. And so a lot of social media companies like apps and stuff like that put those little red notifications. That's why they want you to push you notifications once you check it more and you're on more, but also you get that dopamine hit. And that's why you'll see a lot intertwined into the development of of apps and stuff like that. There are always opportunities for you to see like a little red number that's like, oh, something's new. You've got a new, like you've got mail or, you know, you've got a new comment. Like they they try to push it really hard so that you get it, you get more addicted to it. Yeah, that's why... That's why one of my favorite things was cutting off all notifications on my phone. But then I got, <laughs> I got so upset because like I got a new phone. I like got rid of all the notifications. I put it in do not disturb, but then it had a notification. So whenever I would turn it on, it'd be like, phone is in do not disturb mode. I'm like, why are you giving me a notification to tell me you're in do not disturb mode? <laughs> when, like The purpose was to minimize. Sorry, little side note. No, I mean, all this is to say that it's just it's a really different time that we live in. (laughs) And I think it's it's only getting worse. It's just we have to learn how to coincide with social media in a healthy way. And as business owners, as people who are not business owners, we have to be very intentional with how we consume and like our health depends on it. And so it's just I think it is being intentional. It's putting boundaries. I like your idea of like the blocks. And I also just take the opportunity to like work on things like I I don't know about you, but I just have a hard time sometimes on my phone being efficient. So I try to find ways to make it more efficient. If I need to be on my phone and I need to be working, how can I be very efficient? And so that's, you know, maybe I'll do a little bit of research beforehand. Sometimes I type stuff up in a note on my computer so that I can just like kind of copy and paste it. And it's just time. Time blocking. It's treating it like I have a moment here. I'm going to apply my time. And when I'm done, I need to remove myself and I'm not going to open the app. And it does take work to do that. But otherwise, we're just a victim to the notifications. And that's not a place I don't, I think nobody wants to be living that way. Yeah. And then to that, the next problem or the next issue is wanting to be efficient because then it's like, oh, I need to capitalize on all my time. So I need to be making every moment productive. So then I fall into this trap of like, 
How can I maximize every single second to get every single second out of it? When I would much rather as a person just be at a place where I'm doing what I want to do at this moment and that's okay. And I don't have to be doing other things. It's okay to not engage with everything. It's kind of like the idea of, I heard minimalism expressed this way and I hadn't heard it expressed this way before, but I'm saying how minimalism was finding like a great joy in a few things rather than a little bit of joy in a lot of things. And I was like, yes, that's what I feel like now I'm trying to spread myself thin and I'm trying to consume all the information and do all the stuff all the time when maybe it's more about having great, beautiful joy in every moment for what it is rather than feeling like it has to be other things. And you were talking about feeling weighted down and I just feel like we carry so many things that make us so heavy and we think we need them like because that's all we know. And we think if we don't have them, then we're not doing enough or that things won't be okay. So I'm also just trying to move towards this place of like not doing anything that makes me feel heavy. And that's really vague. What kind of things are are that for you? Well, it's really interesting as a thought experiment, listeners, you can do this as a thought experiment. So like think of all the different things that you do throughout the day and you can feel in your react in your heart your reaction to it. Like, I think we like to take our brain and be like, and we like to think through our decisions and our choices and be like, this is a, we like to make a list. Should I do this? And this is why it's good. And this is why it's bad. And this is why I should do it. And this is why I shouldn't. We try to like figure it out logically. When our heart seems to know pretty intuitively what it wants to do. And it makes me wonder if we did just live by our heart, what would happen? And honestly, I think it's fear that keeps us from doing that. I mean, I know I'm too scared to to do that, (gasps) to make this more like practical because I feel like I'm using a lot of words. So, you know, if I look at my day, what are things I do during the day? Recording this episode with Noelle, working on my other podcasts, prepping other books, working on an app, answering emails, going to the grocery store, listening to books. There are all these potential things. And I could think about those individually And how does it like make me feel? Does it feel like a burden? Does it feel like something I'm dreading? Or does it feel like something I am excited about and want to do and am looking forward to? And it makes me wonder if I only did the things that filled me with joy and did not feel like a burden, what would life look like? That's a terrifying, terrifying thing to just, if you just jumped into that. Right. But some of that is like, you can't get rid of all those things. You know, if you're a a parent... (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that my kids don't bring me joy, but there are a lot of mundane tasks that are not super like joy giving. You have to be able to sometimes take those mundane tasks or those tasks that don't bring you joy and be okay with processing through those things and having to have them as part of your day and still being thankful and understanding like, that's just where sometimes you have to do that kind of stuff. It's your day is going to be mixed. No, I'm so glad you said that because I, I need to clarify. So I want to clarify. So not not joy per se, because there are things in a way we don't have to do anything, but there are things, you know, we have to do like as a mother, you know, and caring for your children. And so you have to do them. But I think, and I don't want to put an idea in your head. So I'd love to hear your answer to this. But I think if you think about the things that you have to do, taking care of your kids, for example, or mundane tasks that just have to be done. I think there's two types of 
when we think about those reactions we could have. So not necessarily does it spark joy, but as far as like not wanting to do it, is it because you don't want to do it because, you know, it's mundane or it's going to take a lot of physical effort. So it's like, it's something that has to be done. It takes a lot of energy, but it it's that the physical energy that is making it a drag compared to the emotional burden energy. And I think those are the things that we could let go of because I think, and I don't want to put, so I really want to hear your answer to this, but at least I I feel like for me, if I was a mom, if I knew I had to do these things for my kids, I think I would probably have, there'd be the things where it's like, okay, this, you know, this takes a lot out of me. This wipes me out physically, but I'm a mom. I love my kids. So I, I'm doing it. So it's not like an emotional stress burden of something I want to let go of because I wouldn't let go compared to something where I want to let go of this and something's not letting me let go. I think one of the things that's really interesting in this stage of life for me is, and I, one of the things that I've been struggling with is right now is like, I just feel like my time isn't my own. I feel like I'm sort of ping-ponging back and forth trying to take care of two babies and manage a house and feed everybody and like barely run my business. And, you know, like, and again, this is all in my mind. This is how I'm perceiving it. And it's not necessarily true. But I always, I, I continually come back to, Noelle, this is a choice. This is what you're choosing to do. And I actually find a lot of peace in that because, yes, the stuff is mundane. And truthfully, it is actually very emotionally draining. Like it for me, it's it's just like I am giving into these children mentally, emotionally and physically. And it's that's actually the most taxing for me is just like having to be an emotional support person to a toddler who is a total Tasmanian devil. I can see that. <laughs> For listeners, I was showing my mom Noelle's Instagram and I was like, she has this daughter, Stella. And my mom was like, oh my goodness, she looks like, what word does she use? I mean, she thought she was adorable. She said she looks like, what's the word for like a really intense child? I don't know. Strong-willed? Strong-willed. Yeah. She's like, she looks very strong-willed. I was like, I know, I feel like she is. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everything's a meltdown. And that's okay because they're, you know, toddlers learn how to process their emotions. But for me in particular, that's what's so draining by the end of the day because I have to like maintain my patience and help her process her emotions and not lose my poop. You know, like I have to do all this. Like I have to be calm. And sometimes I'm definitely not. And I fail at that. And, but, but I keep coming back to like, this is a choice. Like I'm, this is the life that I have set up. These are the things that I'm choosing to do. I wouldn't change it. And it's okay. And you know what? If I ever feel like, wow, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't feel guilt or shame about it. I think the weight that you're talking about is feeling some, in my opinion, this is just my experience. It's like feeling the guilt and the shame of like feeling bad about whatever you're doing. Like, I kind of hate this, you know, like, And I think a lot of moms feel that way sometimes. Like sometimes we're just done. We're just done with it by the end of the day. And you know what? I think the most freeing thing for me has been recognizing where I'm starting to feel guilt or mom guilt or shame about any of that stuff and be like, no, you know what? It's cool to be done with it sometimes. Also, like I've chosen this. This is what I want to do. This is the life I've set up. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty and other times it's going to be really great. And so I have to learn how to like 
mentally, emotionally, visually, like process all of that and just be able to let it go and sometimes say, this isn't fun, but it's a choice and I'm going to move forward and do it anyway. And I think it's just, to use a Melanie word, reframing it and understanding like, as opposed to saying like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this. Saying like, you know what? This isn't fun, but I'm choosing to do this. Like, this is cool. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this not being fun and it's okay to like, not enjoy it. And I don't need to feel bad about that. I can say, yeah, this isn't fun and just keep moving forward. (laughs) That has been 2019 for Noel Tar. (laughs) No, exactly. Going back to like the being okay thing, being okay with the way things are, be okay. And then I think the follow up for me is be enough. Like just feel like almost the same thing as I am okay. I am enough. Like I don't have to be more. I don't have to be experiencing more. I don't have to be anything other than what I am at this moment. And that's okay. Yeah. And I I know that you're doing working on this too. And I think that people in general, women in general, we could all benefit from letting go of the things that aren't serving us. And I think that that's what you were talking about too, is just like in terms of like letting go of the things that are bringing you joy. Like I've had to really reevaluate when you get to a point like you are, Melanie, where you're burnt out or me, where I'm, we're at different stages of burnout for different reasons. It's like you really have to re evaluate what it is that you're doing, where are you putting your energy towards, and what do you need to let go of so that you can survive (laughs) and continue to do the things that make you joy, bring you joy. Because sometimes if you're keeping these extra things that you think you quote unquote should be doing, they're robbing you of energy. And that's energy that you could be putting into things that you want to do and that bring you joy. So I've totally had to reevaluate that as well for in 2019 is just figure out what things, what's zapping my energy and how can I restructure everything so that I have more energy to do things that are better for my health and bring me joy. So I just keep thinking the irony of thinking, but the more and more I research like mindset, epigenetics, like how our perspective of our environment and our world affects our body on a physical level, it just seems so key that our perspective of everything is huge as far as literally how our cells manifest and how our genes affect our body. So if we can reach this state, it's really hopeful and it's really amazing because in theory, every single, in theory, every single moment could be a moment of growth, healing, and renewal in theory. If we could choose to interpret everything as doing that, which is very exciting (laughs) to move towards. And I know that seems like, oh, you know, you can't, I'm not not saying you have to be like really, really happy all the time, but literally every moment could be a moment of just experiencing the world, learning from it, benefiting from it, enjoying what is to be enjoyed. There doesn't have to be stress, fear, or heavy things from an emotional standpoint, because it's our brain, which decides emotionally how to interpret that. That's super hard. um, And I... (laughs) Obviously, I'm not there, but um, can we ask a question from our community? Yeah, please. Okay, so I have one from Jacqueline, and I think that this is, I'd really like to hear perspective on it. She says, I would love perspective on how introverts and ambiverts felt at first taking the big dive into sharing your life so publicly. Opening up that space to want to connect with others or do something entrepreneurial is very exciting, but also intimidating and scary. How do you set boundaries for what to share? Kid pictures, no kid pictures, what to say, what not to say, how to arm yourself against negative feedback if you're a highly sensitive person. All these skills are such a strength, but also make someone incredibly vulnerable vulnerable and nervous to want to put themselves out there. Now, are you an introvert? 100%. 
Okay. People are always shocked by that. (laughs) Or podcast listeners are. Yeah. No, it is for me because you are very open. So how do you protect yourself from getting drained, so to speak, as an entrepreneur? I think that that's something really interesting to think about because you typically do have to really put yourself out there a lot. And then also there's this downside of you put yourself out there and then oftentimes you get feedback and it's some of it's negative. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. 
Hi friends, I am so excited to tell you about something that I am obsessed with that can revolutionize your health, help with stress levels, support longevity, and really help you when you go out and are having a bit of wine or drinks or all the things. And I'm going to tell you how to get $100 off. So I've been talking about the role of NAD in our health for so long. NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It is a coenzyme that is involved in so many processes in our body, including energy production and DNA repair. And it is depleted by things like stress, aging, lack of sleep, alcohol, and of course, too much partying. In fact, a lot of researchers believe that declining NAD levels is one of the key factors in aging. That's why I have been really interested in boosting and supporting NAD levels. And I have tried all the things. You can take precursors to NAD called NR and NMN. I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD. And historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me. Oh my goodness, friends. I am so obsessed. So they make transdermal NAD patches and they have studies showing that these patches actually boost your NAD levels. And what's so amazing is you put on a patch. It's super easy to put on. I have a video on my Instagram about how you do it. You basically get this patch thing with like a negative side and a positive side. You put saline on one side, you mix up the NAD with some sterile water and the NAD that they give you on the other side. Then you stick it to your arm or wherever you want to put it. You put a super cool black patch over it, kind of like how you put the patches over CGMs. And then what's amazing is there are no side effects. You don't feel unwell from it and it lasts for 14 hours and it's so easy. You can do it at home and then you can really decide when you want to do it. So with the shots, I was doing them once a week and I was trying to do them before going out with this patch. Now I put on the patch before going out and it makes me feel so good. It really helps the next day from any alcohol recovery that you may need. And they look pretty awesome with my outfits. Not going to lie. I am obsessed with these patches. I just want everybody to know about them and they are so much more affordable than the shots or the IVs. If you want to boost your NAD levels, support anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying. You need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. 
Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's melanieavalon.com slash ion layer to get $100 off your ion layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. melanieavalon.com slash ion layer with the coupon code melanieavalon for $100 off. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the U.S. is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives. Dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash melanieavalon and use the coupon code melanieavalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash melanieavalon. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, so remember at the beginning when I was saying how, like with the food stuff, people will come to me and be like, what do you do? And I'm like, don't, don't, don't ask me. This is a perfect example of that. I don't really have a healthy relationship with how I engage with this because I am such an introvert. So, and I'm very shy and I take things very personally and I get really upset if I think people don't like me. I, I take things very personally very personally. So it was really hard when we first started, especially the intermittent fasting podcast. And I would read some, you know, reviews, iTunes. And the thing about iTunes is so frustrating is you can't talk back, you know, <laughs> like, like you read this and it's just like there. Yeah. So I would read, I you know I started getting, I mean, the funny thing is you get so many amazing support and love and things, but we obviously see, see the negatives and the way I dealt with that, this is not a good example of anything, but the way I've dealt with that was I would Google for hours why it's good to have haters. So I had to reframe about, oh, this is actually a good thing. That's how I chose to engage with that. And then are you, are you proactive? Sorry. (laughs) I'm like, want to interview you, but at the same time, (laughs) how do you protect yourself as an introvert from like, okay, so that's how you deal with negative feedback, but also like, how do you protect yourself from getting exhausted? 
from just putting your having to be sort of I would call it like on point like you kind of have to be on point a lot especially with interviewing and podcasting like do you have to proactively take downtime yeah so well the, actually and like when pursuing acting this was always the thing that was a big part of it as well was I had to feel very much like on point for like auditions or going to things so in a way though that lifestyle when I was more pursuing that 100% before all the podcasting and everything, that was almost better because it was like, I could pull it all together. I could be on point for this concentrated amount of time when I'm auditioning. And then when I wasn't there, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't have to deal with anything else because I wasn't really engaging with social media because I didn't feel the need to. So it was like, I, I could balance between the two. And I felt really good and really like, I felt I got a big high from like auditioning and everything and being on sets. So I think it worked really well compared to now where it's like, I just feel like I have to constantly be on point all the time and engaging with, you know, engaging with people all the time. And as people will know, I kind of was, the way I was de- was dealing with, with it was I just chose not to engage. So like I was not on Instagram. <laughs> Right. It's just a good thing. It sounds like not where I'm coming from. But no, I was like, you just start putting yourself out there more on Instagram and being more open with people. And I'm actually very, very grateful for that. So thank you, Noelle. Thank you. You pulled me out of my shell. I feel bad. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be like pushing you and draining you even more. No, 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 no. Because I think I've reframed it. I was seeing it as a drain. Like, I was like, I can't do this. That will just completely wreck me. Like, having to like, do that. But now that I started doing it, I've actually found it to be such a supportive community. And I'm actually very grateful for it. And I'm starting to realize, oh, okay, like there can be, it doesn't have to be draining. So it is constantly a a balance. I will say one thing that is serving me really well. And I've always been the intense prepper and controller. And like, so with prepping things, for like episodes, I feel like I need to be prepping hundred percent all the time and like stressing about it. And like up until the day that it airs, but now the thing is I have, I have so many things I have to prep for and so many episodes and having to read like five books at one time that I can't afford to actually stress about something till it's happening in a way. So in a way I'm super grateful for that. So now it's like, I try not to even stress about things unless they're, unless they're happening now. I'm actually super grateful. Like the other day, for example, one of my worst scenarios that I was anticipating actually came true. I'm like, I've always been like, what if I forget that I have an interview? Like, what if I, what if it falls through my calendar somewhere that happened the other day with like a major, major author (laughs) and um, they emailed and they were like, I'm here. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) and I was like, not at my computer. I was not at home. I'm so glad that happened because now that that's happened, I was like, okay, I dealt with that. It happened. So clearly if things go wrong, I can deal. So I think it's about like reframing and knowing that there's no point in stressing about things that haven't happened yet. So just focusing on what needs to be done. It's like they say in what Lord of the Rings, (laughs) all you can do is decide. I don't even know what the quote is. Something about you can only do like decide to do with the time that's given to you. And I think that's what I'm working towards is okay, at this moment, what is the situation and what can I do with it? Rather than stressing about a future that may or may not materialize or mourning a past that that's the past. It's not now. Sorry, that was so long. I don't even know what you asked me. (laughs) That's great. Because what about for you for like with everything you're doing with 
the podcasting, the family, finding that line between stressing and planning and versus just doing. Yeah, no, I I mean, everything you said, I'm obviously not an, an introvert, but I have had to radically let go of anything that's not absolutely necessary and ask for help. I'm not a great person at asking for help. And I've had to really put myself out there and rely on other people, which again, is not very easy for somebody who wants control and has anxieties and has worry. I am a worrier. I have anxiety. And just like you said, now that I have so much going on, it's been very freeing for me to realize, like, I don't have time to stress about it, but it's also been a great exercise. And, oh, you didn't stress about it and it still went okay. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that's actually been very helpful for me because it's, you know, you try to hack yourself out of worrying. And it's very hard. It's very hard to give up fear and worry and anxiety and to process it in a different, you know, things in a different way. And I've come to a place now where I am very okay with, I'm becoming okay with the unexpected and understanding that I will be capable of handling it if the unexpected happens. So (laughs) it's pretty much motherhood. You know, I, I have a lot of health anxiety, too. Like, I'm very scared of what complications I may have, you know, to certain diseases or sicknesses or my pain or my kid. Like, what if my kids get sick and then I end up having to take them in the ER? And, you know, so it's like all those things. And I'm like, you know what? If my kid, something happens to her, like, I will be the best person possible to take care of her. And I have to know that, like, I'm I will be able to show up. You know, I can't worry about things that haven't happened. I can only understand that I will be able to manage those when they happen. So, yeah, they say that that's actually one of the key or I guess differences in the way stress manifests in our body. Like basically your perspective of do you feel like you have the resources to handle a stress? So some people feel like and this is the way I used to be and I'm working towards being again is some people feel like, okay, whatever happens, they can deal with it. So they have the the physical and mental resources. Then some people feel like they don't feel like they might have the capability to deal with something. In both situations, the thing hasn't happened yet in theory, but feeling capable and feeling resilient breeds capability and resilience and feeling in fear of what might happen just you know can break down your body more So yeah, one of my goals towards 2020 is just working on feeling, you know, capable for anything and also just the beauty of, I feel like the longest lived people, the centenarians, you know, they ask them what their secret is to long life. And it's always like, A, they follow completely different diets. They'll be like, I ate a pound of chocolate. I, I smoked every single day or it's like, it's like laughter. It's like joy. It's social connections. It's, it's not fear. I don't think there are many fearful super centenarians. No, you're so right. I hate to do this, but we got to wrap it up, girl. We've been talking a very long time. Would you like to, (laughs) we could probably talk for another hour. Have we even talked about anything helpful? I'm sorry, folks, if you were just like, what just happened? This has just been a converse like you have over, you have listened to a conversation with Melanie and Noel today, which I think is all good stuff. I'm just, you know, being funny. But anyway, maybe not so funny. I'm not as funny as I think I am. Sometimes I think I'm funnier than I actually am. <laughs> happens to you, Melanie. See, I'm laughing. My husband jokes me. He's like, he's like, you there you go laughing at your own self again. I'm like, well, I thought it was kind of funny. 
I thought it was funny. I laugh a lot. Noelle and I typically talk, <laughs> we typically talk through um, an app that lets you talk. We, we It's called Voxer. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's funny though. The funny thing, now how many times have we said funny? The funny thing about that when you talk in like sound bites back and forth is I feel like I need to tell you, I'll be like, oh, I thought it was funny when you said so that you know that when you talked, I was laughing. <laughs> That's our social media world. I know. I do that too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was laughing so hard when you said. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to wrap it up with like, I just read this down here and it says, I like this question and I actually like to hear about it from you and then I can answer it and then we can sayonara. But it says, what are the top three things that you did for your health that have changed your life? That might be a very big question, but I think it might be something we can end on. Okay. The first one, I don't know if this is like two things or one thing, honestly, and this sounds this sounds crazy after all this, but the intermittent fasting and realizing the effect that food has on my body, hands down. And that's actually how I conclude my book, which I originally self-published What One Wine, but it, I did sign with a traditional publisher and release in stores. And that was one of the things I concluded with in the book was that despite any changes in how I was reacting to food or dietary principles or whatever, I... I have realized that what we eat does affect our body and does affect me. And I think just being okay with and accepting and being grateful for knowing that certain foods in my body affect me certain ways, maybe eaten at certain times affect me certain ways. And I don't really know what that means and the implications, but being okay with that and just understanding that that is a part of the picture. So that would be one. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I think probably the number one thing for me was shifting my mindset away from like how can I how can I manipulate my body and <laughs> manipulate my mindset how can I how can I hack my brain into losing weight into being obsessed about my weight and shifting it to like why am I doing this why do I care so much who am I doing this for when I asked myself who am I doing this for? That was a huge moment for me. It was what really changed everything because my entire life I felt like I had been making choices for myself based on what I thought I should be doing, based on what other people said I should be doing. And I was trying to impress these people who I didn't actually care about. I was really trying to be this person with six-pack abs, and I wanted to be that girl who ran, you know, a lot and was lean. And I was like, I'm sorry, wait, who am I doing this for? Because I'm really unhappy, and I actually don't care about that. And so when I asked that question and shifted my mindset to, like, I'm going to stop doing things that I think I quote-unquote should be doing and do the things that are right for me and my body, whether that means I lose weight or not. I guess taking weight loss out of the picture in the pursuit of health, that would be number one. Two, so with personal health issues that I've had, GI issues, mercury, toxicity, a diagnosis of a certain disease, which may or may not be real, other things. This is a complicated answer. Realizing that A, I can test and look for things that are wrong and I can take measures and I can try to address that and and it can have effects. But in the end, and that maybe that's the reason, honestly, the reason I have this whole biohacking podcast is because it's, I'm on this relentless journey to figure out what does and does not work. But I think when it comes to health, realizing that 
maybe the physical aspect of it isn't where the answer necessarily lies. And maybe it is more about the mindset and the spirit rather than the physical. And that honestly, we don't know anything. And I'll tell this really, really quickly. This is kind of, but this has haunted me so much. I think it's stuck with me because when it comes to physical health issues, you know, you might experience or not even health issues, anything physical in your body, we experience something and then we think it happened because of something else. So like I have a headache. Oh, it's because I ate this. Or I feel anxious. It's because I did this. I did this. It's because I did this. My mind was blown, 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 blown. When um, I read this study, they did this study on people. And so our left brain is the part of our brain. I'm sorry, this is long, but this is probably one of the most revolutionary things for me. The left part of our brain is the brain that is language. It makes stories. It makes meaning of the world. The right part of our brain is more like motor skills, like they're evolutionary, like animalistic part of our brain. When they do studies where they make it so that only part of their brain and those correlate to your eyes. So when they do studies where only part of a person's brain can see one thing and only another part of their brain can see the other. So the left brain has information about a situation and the right brain has information about the situation. And then when they ask the participants questions for why they do things that they're doing, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can get the actual, like what they tested. Basically the left part of our brain will make up stories and memories to explain what it sees, regardless of if any of that is true. So when they do these studies, they might ask them, why did you, you know, pick up this card? And the person will be like, oh, I did it because of, and then they will remember these things that happened that did not happen. And it's all because our language part of our brain tries to make stories and tries to make sense of the world around us. And I think you can apply that to any health experience that you may be experiencing or anything physical. You may have this whole story in your head about why things are happening or what you can do or what means what, when honestly, we don't know anything. Your brain could literally be making up things to make you feel better, which we can be grateful for our brain. It's trying to take care of us. But I think that was one of the biggest shifts I had as far as health stuff goes, because I realized I don't know the answer. I can research, I can try to do the things that are going to best suit me at any one time. And that's my mission with my podcast. But in the end, I don't know. And that's okay. And that's very freeing for me. My number two is going to be the, it is very complicated, but it's most like revolutionary health things are not simple. Uh, (laughs) However, my next one is number two is very simple. I stopped running. I stopped running. That's it. End of story. And of course, there were a lot of things in that. But yeah, when I stopped running, best thing I ever did for my health. I was never a runner. You'd have to like pay me to be a runner. Yeah. Do you know your third one? Okay, so number one, stop pursuing weight loss and do what was right for me. Number two, stop running. Number three would probably have to be, (sighs) I don't know. I have a couple things that were (laughs) pretty revolutionary, but I think I know my third one. So, okay, why don't you go and I'll decide. (laughs) I think, and it's something I'm working on, but the importance of social connection, (laughs) irony aside of the social media conversation but the importance of friends and laughter. 
I don't think there's anything more healing. <laughs> Start crying. I remember when Noel and I were talking about this, I was like, Noel, this might just be me crying for two hours. I think the importance of friends, family, and laughter far outweighs almost anything else. So, so my three were one was the, the intermittent fasting and the whole foods choices Two, realizing that our brain makes stories about our health situation that may or may not be true. And that's okay. And we don't have to stress about it. And three social connection and laughter. I think my number three is treating my mental health as important as my physical health. Once I realized I was making sacrifices to my mental health in order to quote unquote pursue physical health. I was like, what What am I doing here? So obviously, I think you've, most people have picked up on I have an anxious brain. I struggled with postpartum anxiety. Once I went through that experience and I realized like it's not worth like I am a personal trainer. I have a platform built on fitness. But guess what? I haven't worked out in, oh, I don't know, a year and a half. I've been doing physical therapy and stuff like that. But I let go of that because I knew I needed to prioritize my mental health and sleep and not adding more stress to my life. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. But maybe seven years ago, seven plus years ago, I would have put my mental health through the ringer in order to like force myself to get up and work out and do the things and I would not be sleeping. You know, I'd set my alarm early and I would drag myself out of bed. And now I just radically pursue <laughs> supporting my mental health, making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. And letting myself check out if I need to, as opposed to always like keeping my brain spinning and thinking and worrying and pushing and trying to create this like perfect health environment. Those are mine. Yeah. I love it. I do ask every single guest on this podcast, the same question. So if I don't ask it to you, that'll be a problem. That's the last question. Can I ask you? Okay. What's the question? (laughs) Yes. So it's just because I've started to realize how important mindset is and everything. What is something that you're grateful for? Man, I I don't want to be super cheesy, but I do. I'm grateful for my husband. It's been a very hard year. And I talked to my listeners in a recent episode of the podcast and told them just how much he has sacrificed for me to take care of me. It's just beyond me that he loves me this much and is willing to just sacrifice his all of his happiness in order to make sure that I'm happy and taken care of. He's been a great father, and it's just really nice to be able to have somebody to lean on. You know, I have wonderful family and all that kind of stuff, but he has gone above and beyond to take care of me. He's downstairs, like, entertaining my hungry child right now. He put my... He does all those wonderful fatherly things, but he's really gone above and beyond to, like, take care of me physically, mentally, and emotionally. And sometimes I don't know where I'd be if I'd I can go to a very dark place if I think about having to process everything that I've had to process in the last year without him. So I think anybody who struggles with mental health, whether it's depression or anxiety or you're you're a warrior, it's so important to have other people in your camp with you and to, to be able to talk to and express those things to other people and to have people like a support system, a foundation that you can fall on when you do trip and fall and you can't get back up. So very grateful for him. I love it so much. Well, this has been, and now I'm going into the the way I always in the podcast, because then I'm always like, this has been absolutely wonderful. And I am super grateful for you, Noelle, but I really am like so much. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm grateful for you too. I'm grateful that we were able to talk for an hour and a half. I appreciate all of you who are still here listening to us. Obviously, listen to Melanie's biohacking, the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. And I'd love for you to listen to also Well-Fed Women. Oh, please, guys, listen to Well-Fed Women. It's like my happy place. Oh, did you know, I actually, I just listened to it at night when I'm like preparing my food and it's like my me time and I'm not engaging in other, other like social media and like work. That's really cool. Because then I just feel like I'm with friends. And now that I like know you, I really actually feel like I'm with friends. I feel like I could be like talking alone. (laughs) Yeah, that really means the world to me because that's honestly like what I I want. I I want people to feel that way. I appreciate that. I have those podcasts that are that for me. And so I love to be able to like support you in that way. Anyway, this has been great. I appreciate you coming on and I just appreciate you being here. Thank you everybody for listening. Obviously, check the show notes on our respected websites. And when you're listening to this episode, you'll see all of the show notes and everything will be there. And maybe we'll do this again, Melanie. I know. If you enjoyed, let us know what you think and let us know if there are other topics you'd like us to touch on because I do think there's a lot more we could because we didn't even talk about like like podcasting and stuff like that which was something we were contemplating if people want to know about the ins and outs of that whole business right so much okay so where can people find more about you can you just throw that out there so melanieavalon.com it's my website or ifpodcast.com for the other podcast you can listen to the melanie avalon biohacking podcast it's on all platforms as well as the intermittent fasting podcast. I'm on Instagram at Melanie Avalon and please join my Facebook group. It's paleo OMAD biohackers, intermittent fasting plus real foods plus life. That's where we just kind of talk about all the things biohacking. You can talk about anything you want there. So yeah. And how about for you now? How no, Nell, Noel, how can um, listeners better follow you? My website is coconutsandcuttlebells.com. Same Instagram at coconuts and kettlebells. The book is called, wait for it, Coconuts and Kettlebells. And I have a, a workout program called Strong From Home that's connected to my website. And I have a Facebook group now. Thanks to Melanie for the push on that one. It's called the Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community on Facebook. It's been so fun to interact with everybody. And yeah, we are there. So thanks, Melanie. Yeah, just going to say it's so ironic, the whole social media conversation. And then I'm probably on Instagram more now because of you and you're on Facebook more now because of me. We're doing it in an intentional way, Melanie. All right. Bye, Noelle. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.